This is the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Bibus, episode number six, the solo series. Welcome to episode number six of the She Runs the Show podcast. Have you heard of a book called Glynis Has Your Number? Let me tell you what, this is a book you must have. I am a big numerology fan. I do all of my numerology and I absolutely, look, it's true. So you can believe it if you want to or not, but I'm telling you, your numerology, especially in the relationship category, is for real. So if you want to learn more about your numerology, I'm telling you, pick up Glynis Has Your Number by Glynis McCants. She's amazing. She's a numerologist. She knows what she's talking about. I actually used to sit when I was an extra on General Hospital, I spent the whole day because I didn't realize, you know, I'd always wanted to be on a soap growing up, but I didn't realize that when you do soap work, if you're not a main star of a soap, you spend most of your time in that green room thing, like sitting with the other actors talking, which can be fun, but I'm a person who likes to do, 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 do. So that wasn't too cool. So what I did for those 10 hours that I was sitting in the green room waiting to go into hair and makeup and go out was I did everybody's numerology. And I had Glennis has your number and I was doing everybody's numerology numbers. And one by one, they were saying to me, whoa, like, how did you know that about me? We've just met. How did you know that about my relationships? Because numerology works. I'm just saying, like, if you don't know your life path and your attitude number, especially as it relates to business, it's time to find out. Grab the book. Glennis has your number. And no, this is not a sponsored promo. I'm just trying to help you out because until I understood my numerology, I did not completely understand myself. And you want to understand you. As I always tell people, you've met you. And that's not really true until you do numerology. So buy the book, do your chart. All right, let's get started. Welcome to episode number six in the solo series. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to stop being a jack of all trades and start being a master of one. And I know a lot about this because I spent most of my 20s being a jack of all trades in many different areas. I'll just give you a couple examples. Um, let's see, where do I start? So I started college at 16. I graduated from college at 20. I had my MBA at 22. That's a long story for another episode. And then at 22, I was a professor. But I found myself really unhappy as a 22-year-old professor. I mean, it was fun and exciting because I felt kind of like Doogie Hauser on campus. But after a year or so, it just wasn't my calling. And so I moved to Connecticut, started acting, which I'd always loved acting from day one, auditioned in New York City. I've produced off-Broadway. I've written and directed an indie film. I've been on General Hospital. I mean, so I could go the gamut of the number of different trade, so to speak, that I've been involved in. And I did that in my 20s. And that was an interesting ride. It was a fun ride, but I did not obtain mastery in anything because I was so, you know, I was trying to pursue so many things at once. And 
what I learned from that is really the culmination of what I'm going to talk about in today's episode. Because if you're like me, if you're creative and you're overachieving and you, you know, you're recovering perfectionist, we have the tendency to do this jack of all trade things. And so I want to talk in today's episode about how do you stop doing that? Like, how do you get to a place where you're okay with the fact that yes, you have weaknesses and yes, you have strengths, but you're going to choose to focus on your strengths and become a master of one rather than a jack of all trades. So by the end of today's episode, you're going to be able to do quite a few things. The first thing you're going to be able to do by the end of today's episode is get really clear on where the jack of all trade tendency comes from and how to release the need to be that, to do that. Second thing you're going to be able to do by the end of today's episode is pare down your focus to one to three major goals. You know, when we have the the jack of all trade tendency or that shiny object syndrome, right? We want to focus on 10 different things. We want to be the overachiever who at the end of the year just accomplishes massive amounts of success. But that's not reality. So by the end of today's episode, you're going to learn how to pare down your focus to one to three major goals. And then also by the end of today's episode, you're going to be able to learn how to avoid slipping back into shiny object syndrome once you've picked your focus. Because, you know, it doesn't end once you pick the focus. Like I have one to three major focuses or goals every single year. And that doesn't mean that things don't come up and, and like call to me. Oh, I want to do that project or, oh, I should write that book or, oh. Lots of things call to me. When you're creative, lots of things are going to call to you. So I'm going to talk about how do you avoid slipping back into shiny object syndrome once you've picked your focus. So let's talk about where the jack of all trades tendency comes from. And I touched a little bit about this in, in a few minutes ago, but really, you know, it comes from a variety of areas. One, if you're super, super creative, if you are a creative person and you love to paint and write and sing and you have all of these gifts and all of these talents in different areas. And so for you, you love them all and there's nothing in your skill set that overwhelmingly above and beyond all the others calls to you, it's hard to decide what you want to focus on because you love five or six different things and you're great at five or six different things. So it becomes challenging to figure out, well, what do I focus on? You know, I have all of these gifts. They're meant to be used. I want to share them with the world. What do I focus on? That's one of the areas that the jack of all trades tendency can come from. It also comes from an overachieving mindset. So when you're an overachiever and you're focused on perfection and you're so used to achieving on that level growing up, right? So you go through grade school and junior high school and high school and you're the track star and the valedictorian and the National Honor Society leader and the president of your school class and you've got a 4.0 GPA and you know you've got all of this quote unquote as we raise our kids to get into Ivy League schools or whatever uh well-roundedness right I went to a liberal arts college so we focused on being well-rounded um <laughs> 
That's great. And I think that in your growing up years, it's important to be well-rounded. The problem with that is if you're an overachiever, if you are a recovering perfectionist, or if you are a perfectionist, the main issue you're going to find the most difficulty with is the fact that as you grow older, as you grow up, you don't have the kind of time that you had as a teenager. I mean, when you were a teenager and you were doing all of those things and you were valedictorian and track star and president of this and, you know, ballet and all of that, your only objective was to maybe work a part-time job, but your real job was school. And that was it, school and getting into college. So it was easy to do that overachieving thing then because you had time and you had a roof over your head that was provided for you, hopefully. And so your full-time job was overachieving in that way. But when you're an adult and you have a family and you get married and you've got all of these other commitments, plus you've got laundry and cooking and working and there's too much to do and too little time to do it in to continue to keep that overachieving mindset. So part of it can come from being super creative, but part of the jack of all trades thing can also come from having an overachieving mindset. It also can come from viewing weaknesses as abnormal. And that's connected to both being super creative and being overachieving. Super creative people don't like weaknesses. They like to be, you know, on fire and in passion for their lives. And overachievers hate weakness. They see weakness as being not acceptable. It is an unacceptable thing for me not to be good at physics when I'm great at calculus, you know, Um, but weakness is normal. And so when you have this overachieving desire to be victorious in all areas, then what that also brings is a fear of appearing less than overachieving in any area. And that creates problems. And so all of those things creates that jack of all trades tendency. And, you know, then you really have to go into, okay, well, how do I release that? You know, now that I know where it comes from, now that I know that, you know, my overachieving perfectionistic, super creative tendency is creating my shiny object syndrome and my jack of all trades tendency, how do I get rid of that? So let's talk about how to release it. You know, a big thing in releasing it is trust. And a lot of the time when we are doing the jack of all trades tendency, it's out of the fear that we're not enough. It's out of the fear that if we don't come to the table over prepared and over qualified, people won't see us, right? So there's this fear about that. There's this limiting belief about it that if we don't control our destiny and over control it, then life is not going to work out for us. So part of releasing this jack of all trades tendency is to trust the fact that things do work out for you and that you are good enough exactly as you are. And also trust the fact that, you know, I love what Marianne Williamson says in a book called A Return to Love. She says, um, two important points to remember. God's plan works, yours doesn't. 
Very simple, very straightforward, but like seriously true. God's plan works, yours doesn't. And part of releasing that shiny Adric syndrome, that need to be, you know, use 10 different talents and do 10 different things at one time comes in understanding that you don't choose your calling. Your calling chooses you. In other words, God's plan works. Whatever he's decided that is for you and how your life is supposed to unfold in miraculous and amazing ways. You don't know all the details of that. Now you're going to be called to it. You're going to have a sense of what you should do next. God's plan works. Yours doesn't. So part of releasing the jack of all trades tendency is about trusting the fact that no, you don't choose your calling. Your calling chooses you. And guess what? A calling and a career are not always the same thing. So you need to be very clear on the fact that your calling doesn't go away simply because you don't choose it. That's how you know it's a calling. Like you can put it down, but even 10 years later, it's calling you to pick it back up. So trust the fact that you don't choose your calling. Your calling chooses you. Here's the other way to release the jack of all trades tendency. Let go of the desire to be all star at everything. There is not enough life to do that. Now, do you have many lifetimes to do that? I personally believe that you do. If you don't get it right this time, trust me, you'll be back again next time. You'll figure it out. But for this lifetime, why don't we just let go of the desire to be all-star at everything? That's why I don't like this whole work-life balance thing. I think it's a crock of you-know-what. I'm not going to cuss, but I could. Um, I don't want work-life balance because a balance means if I have a quarter on one side and a quarter on the other, they're even. But if I even put a penny on one side, it's totally out of whack. That is not stable enough for me. Life is not like that. There are seasons to things and reasons to things. And sometimes your life is going to be 80% family and 20% work. When I had my baby and I was breastfeeding, let me tell you what, it was 80% breastfeeding and 20% everything else because I was up every two hours. That was the season that I was in in that moment. And that season passed. That child's now 10 years old. Season gone. Again, seasons and reasons. Let go of the desire to be all-star at everything because there's just not enough life to do that. And part of releasing the jack of all trades is also understanding that focus gets results, not talent. You know, so many of us, again, um, I'm Generation X, so I was raised in the whole, you know, like, you're good, you're perfect, you're wonderful, everybody gets a prize. Like, it began when I was, that, that little syndrome began when I was probably about 12, so up in 12, it was like competition, be the best. And and my parents are from another country. So they bring the whole, uh, you know, immigrant, like you're going to go to college and you're going to be smart and this is going to happen. And I won't get into the whole Haitian thing about status, but one day we'll talk about it one episode, how Haitian people are about education and status and titles. We'll talk about another day. Uh, but what I will say is, We somehow got into this rhythm of saying, you're okay, I'm okay, as if that was going to give our children self-esteem. And so we said, be all you want to be and explore everything you want to explore and the world is your oyster. But what we didn't say is that, yes, you've got to be well-rounded as an individual, 
But you've also got to be very focused. You've got to put whole mind into present action. And if you want mastery, yes, you do have to take a Tiger Woods approach. We won't talk about his personal life. And focus for years and years and years and develop your craft and hone your craft. Mastery takes time. Talent alone is never enough. And somehow we raise children to think, oh, you've got talent. It was born in you. That's enough. It's not. Part of releasing the jack of all trades tendency is getting real with the fact that focus is what gets results, not talent. Talent alone is never enough. Another piece to, to releasing it is making an unequivocal decision that you're going to focus on one to three things, and preferably one to two, and give a time limit on how long you'll give all that you have to this endeavor. And I'd say minimum a year. I know that's hard, right? Like most people can barely do a 12-week challenge, but you're not most people. So when I challenge you to choose one to two things to give your focus to for a minimum of a year, I challenge you because I know you can do it. One to two things, not even three, three's a bit much. One to two things for a minimum a year, and you can see what a difference that will make for your mastery level. Listen, if those one to two things are not the right thing, guess what you've got next year? If those one to two things are not it for you in terms of your calling, they will teach you things you need to learn that then you can apply to your calling next year. There's nothing wrong with spending a year learning, simply mastering the concept of focus. Like at that point, it doesn't even matter what your focus, as long as you can master the focus concept, you will get to where you need to go. And that, you know, and then when the time limit is up, change your mind if you want to, but commit in advance to how long you're willing to be there. And I challenge you to do that for a year minimum. Now, so we just talked about where the jack of all trades tendency comes from. And we just talked about how to release it. Let's talk about how to pare down your focus to one to three major goals. So you've listened to what I've said and you're going, good, I like this idea. I can commit to a year, but I've got 15 different things that I love to do. How do I bring that down to one to three major goals? And as a coach, I'm going to give you some questions that I want you to think about. And I want you to journal it in a physical notebook. I know Evernote is great. I love Evernote. But writing in your own handwriting is a psycho-neuromotor activity. It's powerful. So I want you to do in your own handwriting in a nice journal. Go to Barnes & Nobles. They have a whole wall in the back. Uh, In my Barnes & Nobles, it's on the left-hand side. And beautiful journals. Beautiful journals. So, you know, self-care. Love yourself. Buy yourself a beautiful journal that calls to you. And write the answers to these questions down. So if you want to get to the one to three major goals, and remember I said one to two preferably, I want you to answer the following questions in a journal. What are your top three talents, strengths, or gifts? Like if somebody, if, if all of your closest family and friends were to come together in a room and I said to them, what is her, or if a guy's listening, what is his, what, are you, what is this person's top three talents, strengths, or gifts? What would they tell me? What would people that you work with, clients, your customers, what would they say are your top three talents, strengths, and gifts? And I want you to think about that and write that down. The next question is this. 
What do you feel most called to do with those top three gifts right now? Now, this is a question only you can answer because you might be working in your business in a certain way and it's working well and you're making money, but it may not be your passion. It may not be it, it may not be feeding you in the way that it needs to feed you. And so the question that you've got to answer for yourself is, what do you feel most called to do with those top three gifts right now? Because who you are now may not be who you were when you started your business. So what do you feel most called to do with those top three gifts right now? Here's the next question. Based on your top three gifts, what does the world most need from you? right now and why. So once we get to what our top three talents, strengths, and gifts are, and once we figure out, okay, what do I feel most called to do with those gifts right now? Then you really need to ask, what does the world need? And what do they need from me right now? And why do they need those things? So based on your top three gifts, what does the world most need from you right now and why? Here's the next question. How can you best serve the world with these gifts? Give me three ways. So how can you best serve the world with these gifts? Identify three ways. And then here's the next question. What one to two major goals are you willing to focus on? Meaning you say yes to these goals and no to everything else for a minimum of a year. Think about that. This is a big, unequivocal decision slash commitment. What one to two major goals are you willing to focus on? Which means you say yes to these goals and no to everything else for a minimum of a year. Answer those questions in your own handwriting. And then your answers to those questions will help you pare down your focus to one to three major goals. Again, this was just a coaching session in case you needed to know. If I were coaching you, these are the kinds of questions I would ask you. We would dive in to what are your top three talents, strengths, and gifts. We'd then go into what do you feel most called to do with those top three gifts right now? Then we talk about, okay, based on those top three gifts, what does the world most need from you right now and why? And then we go to the question, how can you best serve the world with these gifts? Give me three ways that you could do that. And then, of course, I'd ask you, what one to two major goals are you willing to focus on? Meaning you say yes to these goals and no to everything else for a minimum of a year. And that will help you pare down your focus to one to three major goals. Now, Again, once you do this and you get to one to three major goals, you are going to have tendencies to slip back into, you know, jack of all trade, shiny object syndrome, as some people call it. So how do you avoid doing that? Let's talk about how to avoid slipping back into shiny object syndrome once you've picked your focus. Okay. So again, in coaching, we say that every yes in one area is no in another area. When you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. When you say no to one thing, you say yes to something else. So if you want to avoid slipping back into shiny object syndrome, because whenever you're creative, whenever you have the overachiever mindset, you are going to see projects and ideas and things that you want to do that pull you to it. First thing you got to do is always keep your one to three major goals in front of you, which means when something comes on your plate as a potential project or idea, you look at those one to three major goals that you wrote out 
and you say, does that project idea, joint venture, task, whatever, does that fit into the these one to three major goals? If it doesn't, the answer is no. So in other words, say no to everything that isn't connected to your one to three major goals. And remember, saying no to it doesn't mean never. Saying no to it simply means not right now. So for everything that you say no to, store that idea, project, that goal somewhere for future reference. I love Evernote for that. I think Evernote is a great tool that quickly from your phone, your tablet, your computer, you can certainly keep notes like projects and ideas that I'd like to pursue in the future. And you just dot, dot, dot. You just bullet it, you know, one numeral, list it, whatever, or three by five note cards. You know, I'm old school. I have lots of three by five note cards always around me, but I do use Evernote to put down projects that I'd like to work on in the future. So that way, when I'm taking care of the one to three major goals, I can come back to Evernote and go, okay, what's next? So saying no to everything that isn't connected to your one to three major goals. And then for everything you say no to store that idea, project or goal somewhere for future reference, like an Evernote. Now you can also, you know, remind yourself constantly. I mean, here's a reminder. Part of not falling prey to the shiny object syndrome is getting super clear on the fact that this is about self-discipline and focus as much as it's about anything else. And I love Albert Hubbard's quote about self-discipline because basically what he says is self-discipline is a matter of doing what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. Now, listen, I am a big fan of Louise Hay. I know what she says about shooting all over yourself. I don't believe you should shit all over yourself, but this quote does not sound good with could in it. So I'm going to use should. Okay. Self-discipline is doing what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. So me exercising today has nothing to do with whether I'm in the mood to exercise. Cause let me help you out. I am never in the mood to exercise. I do it because it makes my body feel good. I do it because I've got a competition in October that I seriously need to be ready for. I don't do it because I'm in the mood. Same thing with your one to three goals. Remind yourself when you tend to want to go to other projects because they feel more exciting, they're new, you feel passion for them in a way that you don't feel for your one to three major goals. Remind yourself that self-discipline is a matter of doing what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. And that is going to be a constant reminder. I say that to myself daily, daily, like I could say hourly, but it's not quite hourly. It probably should be. It could be, could be right Uh, daily. Here's the other thing you can do to avoid slipping back into the shiny object syndrome. Once you picked your focus, use the rocking chair exercise to maintain your focus, meaning at 85 years old, okay, when you're looking back on your life, what kind of person do you want to know that you were? You know, do you want to look back on your life at 85 and see that you were the person who made a commitment, stayed the course, got the goals accomplished? Or do you want to be sitting in that rocking chair at 85, looking back on your life with regret and seeing that you were the wishy-washy, on-the-fence person who constantly changed your mind, never stayed committed, and didn't accomplish very much. Who do you want to be at 85? 
And once you decide who you want to be at 85, what does that person do today? How does that person take action today? What does that person focus on today? So use the rocking chair exercise to maintain your focus. Now, we're coming to the end of this episode. At the end of the day, it comes down to this. Stop starting over. Like I said, in my 20s, I did a lot of starts and stops. Tons of them. I mean, like, and I think that's what your 20s are for, honestly. Like, I, I think that your 20s are for discovering who the heck you are. Like, who are you? You know, I'm not going to talk about what I was going to talk about because that will be controversial. But what I will say is, having been somebody who got married the first time at 18, not a good idea. All 18-year-olds who are listening to me. Um, I will say that I didn't have a clue who I was, you know, throughout most of my 20s. Like, it literally took to 29 for me to sort of go, okay, yeah, I guess I'm starting to figure myself out a little bit. And even now in my 30s, I'm still figuring myself out. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out. Maybe by 50, I'll be halfway there. Maybe, maybe not. What I can tell you is the one thing I learned through my 20s was that if I want to master something, I've got to stop starting over. And so at the end of the day, it really comes down to that. Stop starting over. Every time you take on a new project, a new business, a new goal or assignment, hell, a new marriage, boom, you're starting over. And if it takes 10,000 hours of mastery or seven years, notice that in marriage, they always talk about the seven-year itch. I'm just saying, I'm not going to talk about it, just saying, um, It takes seven years to become a master. So if you're always starting over, you never put in the work of those 10,000 hours. You never put in the seven years to mastery. You don't master anything. You're just sitting there a jack of all trades. And listen, in your 20s, I'm not going to say it's okay to do that. That's what happens. But if you see people who spent their 20s becoming masters, and they are a smaller group of people... But by the time they hit their 30s, like they're in mastery level, like they are black belts in their craft. You know, I didn't do that. So now I'm spending my 30s developing mastery level, which is awesome. But it's going to take me until my mid 40s to really feel like a master at my craft. I'm just saying if you're 20 something, why not start now? Like, stop starting over. Why not get it, that mastery stuff in in your 20s so your 30s go a different way? And I want you to think about this stop starting over thing. A lot of people, especially when you're 20s, you think you have time, right? You think you have time. Even in my 30s, I'm sort of like, except for having babies, which I'm working on again, um, I do think I have a lot of time. But the reality is, if you live to be 77, and you start from birth with this mastery, which obviously you can't start from birth because you can't even read when you're born or talk or walk. Well, you can kind of communicate, but that's all other thing. If you live to be 77 and you start from birth, that means you only get 11 times to hit mastery. Now think about that. From birth to 77, 11 times to hit mastery. So imagine if you're not starting until your 30s like I did to go for seven years of mastery. Yeah, you've lost a lot of time. So what am I saying? Life's short. 
it's time for us to get out of this jack-of-all-trades thing and become a master of one. And yes, it is scary. Yes, when you decide, you know, you, you put the other things to the side, it's sort of like marriage. You, you put the other people to the side. And you say, I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. Now, we could have a whole episode about that. But I believe that all relationships come for seasons and reasons. I'm not going to say anything else. But anyway, the commitment for something major like marriage, like a business, like a career goal, it's not something that you can commit to today and then give up on tomorrow if you want to be a master. If you want to be a wiffle waffler, if you want to be on the fence, sure, you can do that. But if you want to be a master, it takes 10,000 hours or seven years. Life is short. At the end of the day, it really comes down to this. Stay focused. Now, today's episode, I want you to download the show notes because I, you know, I, I create my notes like a professor because I was a professor for like 15 years. I want you to use the notes. I want you to do the journaling. Really get clear on what your one to two major focuses are going to be for this year. Commit to that for a minimum of a year. Release the jack of all trades tendency and make sure that you avoid slipping back into shiny object syndrome. That's the way to secure business success. Because obviously this podcast is all about women running their show. Because you know what? You do. And the only thing I'm going to say to you is stop starting over. All right, everybody. Cassandra Bipe is here, your fear to fuel expert, your life transitions coach, and of course, the host of She Runs the Show. Please read the blog, sherunstheshow.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Instagram forward slash Cassandra Bibus. And of course, go to the website, CassandraBibus.com for all of the show notes related to each episode. All right, everybody, I will talk to you next time. <laughs>